The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. Is God the center of my life? And do I look to God, which is a biblical understanding? Or am I the center of my life and I look to my heart? You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit. Because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Good afternoon, Matt. Marty, it's so good to see you. Good to see you again. It's sunny out. It's nice. It's going to be like 80 in Michigan. We're through the winter. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing what an impact the weather can have on us. Yeah, for, for a variety of mechanisms we know. But just just when you get off a, a plane like in Florida, like I remember getting off the plane and you come from in the winter in Michigan, the moment I get out of that aircraft, hmm, just physically, emotionally, I just feel different, better. Yeah. I've come to realize I love variety, which is a good thing living in Michigan. And whatever yeah. it is, I like it. Okay, then the problem is we need more variety because that's a long winter in Michigan. Come like February and I'm done with it. I have to imagine myself for the months of January and February, like all the gray clouds above us are like a big blanket. And my job during those months is just to hunker down, you know, like I'm under that blanket. In Michigan, we're at war with the elements sometimes, but today we want to talk about spiritual warfare. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I first came to the faith, there was a guy in one of the groups, because I went to a lot of groups, remember? He, you know, I was new to it, and he kept talking about spiritual warfare, and I just wasn't interested. You know, I was just like, oh, whatever, spiritual warfare. It seemed a little melodramatic to me. Well, that's changed. Yeah, like the occult angels and demons in this battle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of people are with that stuff. They're not looking at it. And I want to talk about that because I deal with it in my practice all the time. And I know you deal with it maybe on a daily basis mm-hmm. with people who come to you, not personally necessarily, but that too. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, sort of like view of Satan that he's got a pitchfork and a red leotard kind of thing. We completely miss the mark if that's what we think. I'd love to open us with these words about spiritual warfare from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 and 4. And here's the thing. This reflects a lot of the battles in the Hebrew scriptures in the New Testament, not as much. But the thing about it is there's what's going on physically and there's what's going on in the world that we don't see. Paul says these words, for though we live in the world, We don't wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Which, in terms of a battle going on for my heart, mind, soul, and strength, which I believe is happening. Paul saying we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ almost sounds like the battle is first in me. There's a battle in my thoughts, in my mind, and it's not just 
out there somewhere. But it's this spiritual battle, and Paul calls us to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, like to make it line up with God. And there's a lot of parallels we could make to the battle of Jericho. There's the idea of the armor of God, and they're, they're powerful images that I find really kind of helpful and, and completely necessary as we seek to work our way through every little battle and skirmish and idea and worldview that comes at us. I like Paul's language because if we're going to take it captive, that means we didn't produce it. People think that they produce their thoughts. We can produce thoughts, of course, when we solve puzzles or something like that, we want to think about or solve a problem, but there are thoughts that come to us. So if we're going to take it captive, we take enemies captive, right? In obedience to Christ. People think that they are their thoughts. I have to struggle with that all the time. Then they start feeling guilty about it. Like, oh, I had a bad thought. I'm a bad person. That means I'm a bad person. I deal with that all the time. But I say, you know, when did you decide to have that thought? Well, I didn't. Okay. Well, and now you could say as a psychologist, it's conditioned. Yeah, it is conditioned. But where did it come from? Well, it came from my dad. Okay. Well, how did it get in him? Oh, probably came from his dad. Well, how did it get in him? Right. These things come from the outside, just like an idea, a new idea. If I'm exposed to it, that means two people are discussing an idea. I hear it. Now that, that started outside of me, then it got inside of me, but it doesn't mean I produced that. Right. right. I might nurture it and nurse it along. Yeah. That's where the battle is yeah. right there. One thought starts to mess with me and mess with me in a bigger way. Interesting because Jesus says, and he's quoting the old Testament, he's quoting Deuteronomy, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And somehow we have done ourselves a disservice by thinking that being a Christ follower or loving God is this emotion from the heart only kind of a thing. But he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that when it comes to understanding what that is like, loving God with your mind, the business that we are in, and you helping people with their thoughts that produce the emotions, that produce the reactions, that produce the, the pain when people come to see someone who is a psychologist, they are in pain. A lot to get. We don't move when we're comfortable. So taking it captive, which means it attacked us, in obedience to Christ, that's how we do it. So we better know Christ. We'll get to what you can do about it, and that'll be a part of that. So so I, what's a King James 21? Does that mean the year 20? I don't know. But anyway, this is that translation. But it says, whose unbelieving minds, this is that translation of what you just said. So it's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4 whose unbelieving minds, the God of this world, that's Satan, the God of this world has blinded. Boy, do you ever see that? The ideas of the world disturbing people, the thoughts, the philosophies, the ideologies of the world, blind, you know? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's all over. It's all over. And it gets inside of us. Mostly online. I think we need to do a session on our virtual selves our online selves, and somehow we detach ourselves from who we are as physical beings in the image of God. Mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like the ready player one. Here's what I, my, I've, my brother-in-law has worked on a high level in the tech field for a long time. So he knows those algorithms. That's his job to study the algorithms of you know, YouTube, Facebook. And here's what he told me, and I trust him. Our behavior online is reflecting our nature. They're following us. We're not following them. If we stop clicking on something, they're going to stop giving it to us. 
so people think that they're the victims because it's exposed to them. And in a way we are, but we have it within us for hate. For instance, some people just don't like that yucky feeling of hating somebody. And regardless of what they say, they're going to struggle against that, you know, intentionally and not hate. So we're not complete victims. We're complicit in that exchange and they are following us. Like the human heart is wicked. We all have a dark side, don't we? Yeah. And they're going to capitalize on that. That comes from scripture. If we're all basically good, which is a really popular philosophy, we were created good, but we are marred, we would say, by sin, by brokenness, by going against God in a way, being at war with God for the battle of our souls. We want to control ourselves. We want to control our souls. We want just to follow our hearts. But like you said, and you were quoting scripture there, our hearts are deceitful because of this flaw that's in in the very nature of reality that has torn the fabric of reality and that's the reality that we live in there's something else in that that too but we'll we'll get to to that but you know first of all what is a spirit because i think that would help clarify one problem is this if you think that everything is just matter then you don't even think on the spiritual realm right so it says in that that satan has blinded us And I've told you this before, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast that I couldn't see the sin until belief came. Until I began to believe, I didn't see the sin out there. I didn't know. I was blinded to it. And that was just from my unbelief. That's why I believe in Christ. And belief, what does that mean? It means trust and confidence to the point of adoration and celebration and worship of God. If you don't have that, you won't see it. And if you see it, you're going to be it. Or if you don't see it, you're going to be it, I should say. Right, right. You know, faith is belief in action. I can believe a chair that the chair I'm sitting in will hold me, but until I put my butt in it, I'm not putting my faith in the chair. The same thing when it comes to our understanding of God, when when it comes to, is there a God way? You know, it was J.P. Moreland who talks about kind of three worldviews that we face today. There's supernatural Christianity, you could call it. And that doesn't mean like supernatural, like the 70s, you know, kind of thing. But it's belief in a supernatural world, a world beyond our five senses, potentially. It has been gaining ground in the U.S. for the last 30 years in the academic world. And it's a major vibrant worldview. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't celebrate science. Christianity celebrates science. Christianity even develops it. Yeah. And science is not the problem. But the philosophical understanding of science could potentially be because there's supernatural Christianity, there's scientific naturalism, which means that we can only understand nature based on our own limits of knowledge. And then the third view is postmodern relativism, which is we are inundated with all truth and all reality are relative to your culture. There's no such thing as reality and name the topic, trees, mountains, cultures, human expressions. There's no reality anymore. They believe that we construct reality, which is, we know what that is. That's all over the Bible from the Tower of Babel. And anyway, and we know how to demolish that argument quickly. That in itself is a truth claim, right? That we construct our reality. That's reality. Well, then if it's true, it's not true. Right. 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 Yeah. It's postmodernism is self-refuting. It's claiming to give a description to reality when there's no such thing as reality. Then we can create the world and we are gods. When we create the world, which means we create reality, we are gods. That doesn't work. You have a God. That's why we have to take every captive, take captive every thought. And we have to use spiritual weapons of warfare, which are ideas. 
Paul's not saying go to war and beat people up. He's saying, let's attack the strongholds. There's strongholds to say there is no such thing as spirit beyond the senses would be a stronghold for us to take to tackle. For and he tells us how to, we can get to the armor of God later, but that's, you know, he, he gives us something to do about it. Mm. Too. So what is a spirit, Matt? If you had to tell somebody who is a naturalist and maybe they had an experience, they go, what just happened? And, you know, I didn't know I had a spirit because it's a very hard thing to define and distinguish from the soul which in most Christian theologies that I've read, they do distinguish between the two. What would you say in a way that people could understand? Like, look, if I'm in a spiritual battle and they're attacking my, it's a spiritual fight and they're attacking my spirit, what is my spirit? For me, probably the best way to go about it is an image, although it, it may not be helpful in every situation. But my spirit is, is like the thing that just like my body contains who I am, my spirit contains who I am. It touches on my mind, my soul, my body, my decisions, my relationships, and my relationship with God. I think spirituality in general means connectedness. I can go out and look at a starry, star-filled sky, and I can feel spiritual in that moment. Now, Christian spirituality, we would say, is I feel a connection to God revealed in Jesus Christ. Mm, I think it has to do with consciousness. Mm-hmm. Because because in the materialist world, which is the philosophy that our children, if they go to public schools, are you know exposed to, it just it's not interested in consciousness. Okay, and it has to do with attention too. What are we attending to? Because we have consciousness when we sleep at certain periods. Just that's what a dream is. We're we're conscious. We're very conscious in a dream. We can see light and we can have, you know, a visceral sensation of movement. We can have a will in dreams. Even, I mean, we can take that really far in dreams too, with lucid dreaming, where you actually are aware that you're in a dream and then now volition kicks in. That's weird. I've done it many yeah, times. I love lucid dreaming. Do you, I say I'm afraid of it. I don't think I should be doing that. I only make myself fly. I make myself fly. People like that. It's symbolic of freedom and all that kind of, of stuff. But I had one lucid dream where you want to fly right well i took off like a rocket i realized i was in a dream i'm like okay settle down don't wake up let's go explore and i took off like a rocket but i shot quickly where i could see the earth and something in me said don't keep going that happened a couple times the first time i lucid dream too i had this sort of feeling of that's taboo you don't know what you're doing there don't i don't think i should be doing much of that but yeah so i don't know what that's all about but 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 the point being is that we have consciousness and that's something to do with spirit because we have emotions, but sometimes they're subconscious emotions and we act them out. Like I'm angry and I snap at somebody. I didn't mean to do that, but it was subconscious. And sometimes we have conscious emotions like, oh, I'm feeling really excited, you know, right now. Oh, aware. So, so, so what's aware of the emotion? I think that's our spirit. Yeah. Aware of the emotion, which means that we can direct our spirit towards worldly things. We can direct them towards heavenly things. Right. Right. Yeah. It's that part of us, the non-physical part of us that is perhaps connected with our emotions, our character, our soul. And, and yet it's the one that's able to take a step aside and say, this is good or this is not good. Yeah. The battle of uh, the spiritual battle to say, okay, what's the nature of the battle? It's a, like you said, it's not physical. It's a battle of good and evil. And the more I practice and learn and grow, um, the more I realize you can break it down like that. There's good, which is life affirming. And there's evil, which is the road to destruction. But it's hard to know the difference because Satan's weapon, one weapon they use is very effectively is deception. Yes. Yeah. 
right? And and I can't tell a lie while it's going on immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else you got? In terms of what is our spirit or in terms of, of what, what spiritual warfare looks like? I would say that the idea of spiritual warfare, for me, it's it's a question of, am I willing to discover what it means to be on God's side and to take direction from him rather than having him serve me? That's, I think, if you were to boil it down to a really basic concept is, is God the center of my life? And do I look to God, which is a biblical understanding? Or am I the center of my life? And I look to my heart, you know, which is the theme of most Disney movies and most TV shows and just act out your heart. And we kind of create this third space of of something, and and this has incredible implications sociologically, that somehow we can exist as an alternate reality from reality. And maybe online you can create an avatar to be your idealized self. We try to do it. The old Greek word for that is Gnosticism, Gnosis, G-N-O, has to do with knowledge. Is there something in my brain, you know, and, and this is a really interesting conversation as it comes to helping people understand and helping children who maybe feel dysphoria. Is there something in my brain that truly exists outside that somehow is this secret knowledge and the rest of us are not privy to it? And so the idea that what does it mean to be on God's side and take direction from him rather than having him serve you on your side with, with, and trying to make God take, I want to give God direction. And, and I've been growing a lot in my leadership. I've got some amazing coaches coming alongside me. And leadership has taken on a whole new dimension for me. How so? From what to what? So it, it began with this nature and, and where is it developing? Where is it moving towards? I think it began with me being really conscious of myself in an in-touch way, not self-consciousness, but, but kind of centering things around myself. And I've grown now to realize, like for leadership around here at the, the congregation where I'm pastor, it's not all about me. You know, there are people, and when I step back, it's enabled some amazing leadership space for all these other gifted people to come in and to manage or to lead. And I'm just, I've taken myself out of the middle. So, and I think for us to do that in our life is really a powerful, powerful thing because we want to put ourselves in the middle and then build up walls so I can operate within my little walled off city myself. Yeah. It's predictable. And you're right. Won't, it won't fly apart on you if you can get it under control. The downside of it is that it's confined and limiting, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't like to, I tell people when I like to do clinical supervision, but I'm a terrible manager. I tell them, look, I'm, I'm not going to manage you. If you're going to come here, I don't want to tell you what to do. I'll, I'll give you resources to be successful, but you know, You can Google it. Don't call me. You know, it's interesting because it reminds me of one of the most famous battles. And it's a physical battle in the pages of scripture. But I believe that the real battle was a spiritual one. And it's the battle for Jericho. Tell us that about that. The battle of Jericho is the Israelites. They had escaped Egypt, their grandparents and their parents had escaped Egypt. And now it's this new generation. And God has said, I will give you the promised land, which is modern day Israel, Palestine right now. But the problem is there's this giant walled city that they have to get past and get through. And the name of the city is Jericho. It's a real place. It's one of the most ancient cities on the planet. 
where people have perpetually lived, like up to 9,000 years, a lot of anthropologists think. And the battle for Jericho, though it was the Israelites, and, and what happened was there was a, a mighty earthquake and the walls of Jericho came a tumbling down. It's kind of the old, uh, there's a, a great spiritual song. But I believe that that, that was as, physical, as physically intimidating as it is. The battle for Jericho was really a spiritual battle. And it was going to be won by faith. And the way that they won it physically, the plan, the timing, and the results were part of God's meticulous design. And God's got a meticulous design for your life. You know, I believe there are so many people within the sound of my voice who are on the brink, like the Israelites. They had to cross the Jordan River, and they are on the brink of this new land, of this promise. And yet there is going to be a walled city standing in their way. And whether that new opportunity, that promised land for you, it could be incredibly good. It could be a job opportunity. It could be a friendship. It could be a chance to witness to your faith, to somebody who's been watching you for a long time. Maybe it's about trusting God like never before. And there's the spiritual battle that you're going to face to get where God's best for you is. And I think that's probably how the people of God felt. They had gotten past slavery. They got past living the wilderness for 40 years. And they were taking their first stand. And, and the first thing interesting that God tells Joshua, who's the leader of the Israelites, is be strong and courageous. Yeah. Do, do not fear. Yeah. Three times. Be strong and courageous. Uh, yeah. Because I do. I'm coming more and more to believe that the anxiety is a spiritual attack. Anxiety is a spiritual attack. Because what is anxiety? It means this, the future's coming and everybody knows that. Nobody knows what's going to happen, but some people are anxious and some people are not anxious about it. It's the faith, because I just went through this whole battle, man. You were right there with it, you know, uh, so, I've, so it's fresh in my mind. The future's going to come and even if it's bad, because everybody knows bad things happen because they've happened to us before, but some people don't worry about it. I think that the stronger your faith in Christ that he's going to lead us through it, and I mean... Not intellectually, like knowing it, knowing that I'm going to be okay in some way. I mean, what's the worst thing that happened to me? I get killed and I die of a heartbreak or disappointment and then, you know, go into eternity with grace. But to trust that he will lead us. Instead, we do what you mentioned earlier, which is we think we need to take control of it. I've got to stop it. I've got to learn more. I got to Google my symptoms or I have to, you know, do something so I'm in control and get out in front of it. Now, it doesn't mean lay in bed all day, but it means walk in confidence that the future, you, you're protect, you have God with you in that. And then, then you don't have to worry. But if I can get someone to worry about it, guess what? I'm tapping. I'm hurting their faith. You know, there, there's a little bit of doubt there that, uh, yeah, that's what I think is spiritual battle, is to, to battle. That's one example of it, to make it real for people so it's not cartoonish. I think one thing that could be really helpful for people to always remember when it comes to the future and your fear of what's coming is to remember God, Hebrews 13.5, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means that that future, the scary one that you're afraid might come, or a great one that you may be on the brink of, God is already in that future. Yeah. So how do we operationalize that? Here's how I think. Look, I can't, there are a variety of lies and tactics to manipulate me. I can't know them all. But the more I know the nature of God and Christ and study, the more I'll be able to say, wait, that's not in agreement with what I know, right? Because I can't study all of his tactics. He'll find another one, you know, but I can contrast it with what I know. And that's why when people that we know 
Christians are getting fearful or hateful around this political stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's po- there are political troubles in the world. There's no doubt about that. But if you've been made to hate by the enemy or to be overly fearful, they've won a bigger battle. Oh, because that messes with your soul. That's like picking your soul apart. Yeah, it, it messes with your relationship with God, which is the most important thing. It's that first command. Yeah, which it, which lines up all the other relationships. To be able to start with a, a good relationship with God, you live out of the overflow of that rather than the diminishing yeah. return. Yeah. yeah, and that's why. He doesn't say, put me first because I want to compete with your online gaming because I want to win. It's not like that. It's because it's good for us. The other things fall into order. Like I've, I've said before, I treat disorders. Mm. I treat disorder, anxiety disorders, right? So when we put things in order, in their proper order, because everything is good and permissible by God, if it's in order, if it's in its right place, that that includes intoxicants. If they're in order in the right place, then they're a gift from God, a blessing. That's in the Bible. If you don't think so, Google it. It is, trust me, over and over. But drunkenness is not because that's out of order. Same with our sexuality. You know, in a union, you know, a, a blessed union, it's a mystery even. You know, marriage is a sacrament, right? But there are all sorts of ways to put that out of order and there'll be trouble that befalls you, right? That's exactly it. You know, as you're thinking about whatever disorder you're facing or that you're aware of a loved one facing, it's going to be a spiritual battle. And for me, images help so much. And I picture the battle for Jericho, which you can read about in the book of Joshua. The battle for Jericho was really a spiritual battle. And it was going to be won by faith in God's power. It's going to be won by faith in God's grace. It's going to be won by faith in God's design. The plan, the timing, the results are a part of God's design. And God's got that for you and for your life. The attack on Jericho's walls, you know, the famous walls of Jericho. And they've discovered these. They've discovered beneath the ancient structure of Jericho is a more ancient one that looks like it was decimated by an earthquake. Did they find the trumpet? Which is, they didn't, I don't know that they found the trumpet. I haven't read any journals lately about Jericho, but you can go there. And the attack on Jericho's walls involves faith and it involves prayer, which seems so strange. And it seems strange to the Israelites. It involved obeying and following God and walking with God, depending on him to fight for Israel. It meant they must step out in faith before they even saw any cracks in the wall. They marched around the wall and they were worshiping God as they did. The priests were leading the way, the soldiers. And if they were anxious, anxious, because you know, there were some soldiers that were anxious about that. They went beyond it. They resisted um, what you said earlier. I forget how you put it, how uh, you can grab onto it, latch onto it and, and let it inside you, possess you, so to speak. Right. Or you can stand outside of it and still experience it in the same way Christ was suffered in the garden. Right. That was not a blissful experience. He was, he was sweating blood. He was stressed, but it did not possess him. It did not get inside of it. If it got inside of me to run or said, no, this isn't going to happen. Stop the show. Every time the evil is there, it does involve you being complicit with Mm -hmm. it. It involves you participating with it. And you can stop that. You can. The hard ones to stop are the ones that you don't know. And that's where our spiritual practices come in, right? That's where our spiritual practices. We have to be strong. I tell people, train when you're healthy. 
right? Look, a fight like a, in the ring, that isn't one that night. That's one through all your training and all your habits, right? So if you're well now listening to this podcast and you're feeling good, going through a good period like I am, pick up the pace because it's common and you want to be ready for it. You know, that applies physically. I've known people who have had heart attacks and they were cyclists. They were in great shape and it doesn't protect you from everything. But when those downtimes happen, the people who have taken care of themselves physically are able to recover faster almost always. Well, yeah, that's true. But it's going to help you get better. Yeah, it would, yeah. let's not think binary. Like all you got to do is do this and then you'll never be anxious again. You'll never be heartbroken again. No, it's coming. That's the nature of this world. This world has that in it. But how are you going to be when it comes? That's the question. You know, James chapter one, verse two says, count it all joy when you face various trials. Not if you face various trials, count it all joy. Like they may or may not come. No. Yeah. You got to tell the audience why in case they haven't read that. Cause it's going to be like, what? That's, that sounds awful. No. Why? Because it does what? Because the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. Yeah. Just like the gym. You're right. You know, the real battle for Jericho and when it comes to you and me and to our hearts and our minds, because we're talking about a battle of for the minds of our kids, of ourselves. The real battle for Jericho was not with the Canaanites, who are the occupying people in the land, but the real battle for Jericho was with the Israelites, God's own people. The battle wasn't for the wall of a city, but it was the battle for human hearts. And that's interesting. The whole account of this starts in Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. And listen to how this whole thing begins. Joshua 6, 1. Now Jericho, the city, was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. The idea of being so tightly shut up because the Israelites were out there. No one went out. No one came in. It sounds so ominous. Yeah. Jericho is this tightly shut up place. And I believe that there's a place in your life and in my life, maybe there's a place in some people's hearts in which no one goes out and no one comes in. And the Canaanites, they were so afraid. They were hoping their walls would protect them. But the Israelites had to wonder too. The place is shut up tight like a drum. How could they ever hope to take this? And just like God's people then, I believe that you may be facing a giant wall. And Jericho was a little literal wall in a strategic place. In your life, the wall may face that you face may prevent you from living and thriving in this promise, this God's country. It could be addiction. It could be unhealed relationships. It could be fear. It could be employment. It resentments. Could be, resentments. Yeah. Add to the list. Mistrust. It could be logic. It could be misunderstanding. It could be ignorance of how God wants you to operate. It could be ignorance of how God operates. You've heard the story. And, and God comes and says, first of all, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. The future that you're fearing, God's already there. He is omnipresent. He is beyond time. You know what the um, number one mental illness is in America? Fear. Anxiety. We call it anxiety. But it is a irrational fear. The anxiety is irrational. Look, I say this and people don't understand it, but look, if we can get to the truth, it's a lot more gentle than the distortions. Mm -hmm. Is gentle. Will it set me free, Matt? Yes. Yeah. Will it make me sweat? <laughs> it might make <laughs> you sweat. Yeah. 
Yeah. Second Corinthians 317, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there's freedom. And that's what exactly God would want for you. So we, we've established though, that this, first of all, it's important. You're not creating these irrational thoughts. So don't feel bad about yourself. Nobody knows where these things come from. Now we know they're associated with the brain, but an association isn't a cause. Like, look, as I get older, gas prices go up. I'm not causing the gas price to go up by aging, right? They're just relationships. So yeah, the brain's related to this stuff, but it doesn't mean that you have a mechanism inside of you that is creating irrational thoughts. I mean, even if you're an evolutionist, that makes no sense. It's a stretch to make that fit into evolution. It comes up just like ideas. I don't have any real idea or a philosophy. I didn't invent that. I decided when I was exposed to that philosophy, whether or not to, I tested it and decided whether or not I was going to let it in because I've rejected plenty of them. And so have you, and so has everybody, right? That's the idea where we have to flip into the spiritual worldview, the Christian worldview of spirituality. What are they? And, and there is an invisible world, right? You know, God made all things vis visible and invisible. What's a radio wave? What's love? What's love? I mean, nobody can, you, you can measure evidence of it. Like, oh, they stayed together in marriage. That's not love. You're just, you know, that's associated with it. It's, nobody it's, would, you know, well, there may be a few people that would deny the reality of love. No, not only that, I've never worked with anyone who's denied that that's the most important thing in their lives. They'll check that out. Wow. You know, that's, that's pretty, think about that if you're driving when you shut this podcast off how how we rank that in the hierarchy as up near the most important thing because a lot of people who suffer and get in jams that was at least subconsciously at the root of it if i become ceo of the company so i'm just torturing myself to do that okay you're just ceo of the company what do you really want you want some of that feeling that comes with love which is connection people are not rejecting me they're accepting me i've got some respect from people that's getting into the love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of that is is a result of this love that, that God says we're to love God with our all our minds, and that's our our spiritual battle. You know, interesting. One last thing that I would add to this in terms of people facing spiritual battles and the spiritual warfare that that goes around this. For and I'm going back to Jericho because to me the image of it is so potent. God's battle plan made no sense. March around the city each day for seven days, seven times around the city. And, and so there's this delay. Why would God delay and just not just say, well, go in and take the city? Why does God delay the victory of whatever it is that you're in the battle of right now? And here's my only answer. The delay in the victory that God has for you that you're on the brink of is probably the same as it was for the Israelites. The delay in the victory was designed back then to allow God to overcome the Israelites as well as the Canaanites who were in the city. We know God could have spoken the word. Jericho could have been vaporized, you know, if it was done in a 21st century movie version. But the real battle of Jericho was not with the Canaanites. It wasn't with the walls. It was with the Israelites, not with the wall of a city, but with the wall of a human heart our human hearts, because God sees when we shut our walls up tight. And what, I guess my question is then, what battles are you facing that you have yet to place in God's hands? And maybe this week you put yourself there in God's hands with all the battles, with all the walls. And can we say with all the people? Yeah, that's a, that would be a great place to stop, except for, I do want to give 
people some practical stuff. And and so Paul tells us how to protect ourselves from a spiritual attack, doesn't he? And we've mentioned some of these already, but let's let's go into into that right now. Stand firm then with the belt of truth. So we talked about truth, you know, that look at all this awesome symbolism in the Bible, right? So much that we can think about taking, we don't have to, we're not supposed to read it just once and then move on to another book. Let it come inside of you, right? Really meditate on it. We're, we're told to meditate on this. So, so, so we want to put up there and what's important to strengthen us, truth. We already talked about that, right? And with your comes the gospel of peace. You know, that we already talked about that's the absence of fear, isn't it? Right. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. We must believe. We talked about that too, didn't we? Right. Because when I didn't believe, I couldn't even see the sin. And he says that's like that. You know, you're the ones that under attack. So we got the shield of faith and then um, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So stay in the word too. Everybody can do this right? Everybody can do this. Are you doing it? Are you going to wait till your weekend? Because look, if someone sucker punches me, I'm compromised. I'm going to have a hard time in that fight. But if I've trained and I'm, you know, ready for the fight and I see it coming, guess what? I can defend myself. And we allow God to strengthen us. Yeah. Okay. That's in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, if anyone wants to look that up and study it and meditate on it, test it, see if it works in your life, see when it's worked, ask yourself, Oh, is it, where's my weakness there? Where's the chink in my armor, right? Where's that? Because it doesn't have to be a big one for an arrow to hit it, right? So where is that? Maybe it's my, maybe it is faith. If it is, go see your pastor or talk to somebody, you know, start going back to that Bible study or something like that. But we need to be strong now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you said the the sword of the spirit is the word of God, that's the only offensive weapon that you named. That's the only offensive piece of the army that you named. That's a good observation, Matt. And guess what? That was what was missing for me. Remember I said that I was, I was reading it, but I wasn't reading it with the right attitude of this is the most important thing in the world. In my life, this is the most, it's the thing that everything else is going to be put to order with. So I have to, you know, don't go through the motions on this. I don't care, you know, if you're tired or whatever, but make sure that you people, you know, in some traditions, they kiss the Bible before they do it. And and, then when you do that enough times, you realize with that reverence and with that love of of the word, kiss your Bible before you read it, maybe if you're stuck, I don't know, maybe it'll work. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I love and that I've just been enjoying lately is getting up the first thing of the day, not looking at my phone. I know. I might turn the alarm off, but I don't even pay attention to if I got texts, you know, in the night. I turn my alarm off and then I go find it. For me, it's a paper Bible. Yeah. I love that because symbolically, what does the phone represent? This is the worldly stuff. Mm -hmm. What did um, Biden do today or something like that? That's in the world. That's not a spiritual issue. You're looking above, right? Let's get some more tools. Another tool is to rebuke. That's something I've been doing. Christ said, get behind me, Satan, during the temptation. What is that doing? That's taking the thought captive. You know, that's exactly what it is. Like, um, you, you have no effect. I mean, get behind me, recognizing that. Or living a righteous life. I mean, that was in what Paul said too, but what does that mean? You're not going to sleep well if you've been telling lies, right? I just know how that goes when you're, you're doing that. Or if you've got disagreements with your brother and sister, right? Get those things right. Live a righteous life, which means obey. This is not self-righteous. Right. Everything that is good, I can find something that masks like that, that the enemy uses, that sneaks in. He smuggles in this awful stuff because it looks on the surface like that. That's why we test the spirit. 
You know, Satan uh, is blind to the mind of the unbelieving. That means the unbeliever can't see him, right? So we're given tools that will help you see it quickly. That's all I got, but. That's plenty for today. Okay, you want to pray? I would love to. God, I thank you so much that you did not leave us alone. I thank you, God, that even as the serpent tempted Adam and Eve and had the gift of craftiness, that you have placed within them and within us the gift of surviving craftiness. I pray, God, that you would help us to take every thought captive and not run down the trails of our thoughts, some of which are so far from you, which lead us far from you. And that I thank you, God, that ultimately it's going to be a battle for the human heart. And that's Marty's heart and my heart and every heart that's a part of this. And God, I pray that we would lose that battle to you in order that we would win the battle of our lives. I thank you, God, that you've given us tools. You've given us people. You've given us love and joy and peace and patience to be able to grow in our living for you. Lord, I pray that we would take captive every thought. I pray, God, that we would realize that that is our spiritual battle. It is not against flesh and blood, but that it is it is for so much good. And lastly, God, I pray Thanksgiving that just like the Hebrew people were standing on the, the brink of the Jordan River, even though they were looking at this giant, intimidating, walled city, I thank you, God, that they were on the brink of the, the promised land, this promise. And so many of us are right there. And we do need to be strong. We do need courage. We do need prayer. We do need faith and faithful living. And I pray, God, that we would be proactive, cooperating with you in every way of doing that. Thanks, God, to where you have brought us. And we give you honor and praise as we head out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you like what you're hearing, join us at Patreon. You can talk to us personally there, get cool merchandise and exclusive video content and more. Just go to patreon.com and search for the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can get involved for as little as $1 a month. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.